Hi, friends. This is Citizen Reporter number 401 for the 29th of November, 2011. Now, my voice is working well, but in this podcast, you'll hear a very different voice, which was me when I was slightly sick. And it's recorded in Kosovo with a very interesting group of people that are doing their best to change the world for the better. I should mention for anyone that's new, this is the podcast dedicated to underreported news and global concerns, and I'm very happy to have you along. So here we go. We shall not cease from exploring. And at the end of our exploration, we will return to where we started and know the place for the first time. And wait around. It's about having the conversation. It's about mutual respect. And one of the most unfortunate things of the politics of the moment is the respect has died. Only stronger when your We define each other by what we're not. We argue against each other, we don't listen. We need to get past that, otherwise the same people continue to win. Hello everyone, with you again for another edition of Citizen Reporter, and I'm coming to you for the first time ever from Pristina, Kosovo, and we immediately need to talk about the pronunciation of the word, because I'm worried that it has some kind of a larger meaning to people. I mean, I read English uh, maps and such, and it says Pristina with an S. I understand the pronunciation in this country is Pristina. But then I see, for example, in publications, that people write SH. Now, to answer this question and many other questions, uh, I have two guests with me sitting at this table. Uh, one is Beza Lutzi. I'm, I'm working on it. Yeah. And the other is Nate Tabak. Hello to you both. Hello. Hi. And so, um, first of all, you guys, we're here at the, the headquarters of Kosovo 2.0. They're laughing because I use the word headquarters. Um, it's not a secret location. It is a very cozy location with all the things you would hope for um, in terms of decor uh, for a very cool magazine. And it's an online magazine as well as a actual um, physical print uh, magazine, which is in front of me. But let's go with the first question that I for some reason started with. Is there any particular importance to using SH or S when I write Pristina? Well, with an SH, that, would, that makes it the, that's the way it's written in Albania. And then with the S only, it's how Pristina is written in Serbian. So. But it, oh, it's political. But it's, I mean, it's kind of neither, though, in a sense, because when you just have an S, I mean, the S is not the same letter as the letter in Serbian. It's, you know, it's a SH in Serbian, which is its own letter. Okay. So it's just, it's like a bastardized international. But so on your magazine, in your magazine and on the site, you use SH always. Yeah. That's a conscious, uh, you know, policy. Yeah. Okay. But we use also, we use Kosovo, but in Albanian, Kosovo is actually Kosova with an A. But we use Kosovo because that's how it's uh, that's how it's known internationally. But then with Pristina, 
I don't know. I love Pristinales. You know, it's like something. It's kind of like I made that decision. That I really wanted yeah, to yeah, have the yeah. SH, and I just think it looks more beautiful yeah. <laughs> written that way. I, listen, I'm okay with that. I mean, sometimes I don't feel like justifying why I'm a vegetarian. I just I have a feeling, and uh, not to say it's the same kind of decision, but I understand choosing. Uh, so, but that, I'll keep that in mind. I'm going to decide now what I'll do going forward uh, because I know more. Let's talk about Kosovo 2.0. Um, I did not know about Kosovo 2.0 until roughly two days ago. Um, how long has it existed? And I'm curious as to the thinking behind uh, starting it up, basically. Okay, uh, the website has been online since July 2010, so a year and a half now. And the magazine, the first issue, just came out this summer, yes. so a year later. And basically what we wanted to do, we just wanted to... Uh, create a platform for younger generations in Kosovo to become more active and just uh, and basically participate and comment on, like, on what's going on within their own community, their own life and in the world, but at the same time use it as a way to uh, help place Kosovo's youth on the world map mm-hmm. because there's not a lot of information about uh, what goes on like in daily lives of people in Kosovo. Like, Kosovo has a very young uh, population, so uh, we thought that this would be like a very good way to do it. Okay, like, let's set up a website that talks about real issues but it actually comes from the people rather yeah. than you know just like international media always like having to report and when they do it's always like something that is related to potential conflict or whatnot so yeah yeah i had one of the youngest bus drivers i've ever seen uh on the way here i mean you never see a guy who's maybe in his 20s driving a bus not often anyway i know that's not the same thing um was the thinking then or is it in fact that that i haven't seen many newspapers I, maybe i've not looked hard enough because they're hanging usually. Is it just that youth are excluded from the mainstream media world in Kosovo? I mean, was that the feeling? I just don't think they're really factored, factored in. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, it's people talk about this place being like kind of being the youngest population in Europe, but as far as like the power players, what all the discourse is about, it's, you know, it's old people um, talking about things that aren't, you know, relevant to the younger people. They're doing things that affect their lives, but they don't necessarily have a, a say in it very much. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. And, and and the decision to be uh, quarterly, for example, this was all... Was this the objective from the beginning, or this has been more a practicality thing? Uh, it's kind of both. I mean, what what we're trying to do with a magazine, it's a... Uh, the magazine is quarterly, and then every issue is uh, basically it's, it's theme-driven. So every issue is going to be tackling a specific theme. Yeah. And uh, like our long-term goal is basically to end up with at least eight to nine publications that we put together. We bind them into a book. Mm-hmm. So within like two years' time, we get this like book about Kosovo, and it's, like get these stories documented and recorded in a way. Yeah. So in that sense, I think. I mean, we need it to be a quarterly because we just have to think more about like what we're like what theme we're choosing and why we're doing that and what we're gonna place in it because we want this like every issue to last in a way like to be forever something that everybody's gonna want to keep in their yeah like in their library at home and always come back to and read yeah yeah and then if it were something weekly or something you'd have a lot less time to put um, love and attention into articles and maybe love is not as important but I like that and the attention and the details it could be something that often is missing in, in mainstream press, so that I could see that as uh, an advantage. I also notice in the few articles that I've read in the last 24 hours, um, it seems like there's a mix. I don't know what the mix is in terms of um, local people writing and internationals that have adopted this place, whether for the long term or the short term. Um, is that, I mean, one reason must be because the content, the result is in English. 
Well, I mean, we do everything in three languages. It's in English, Albanian, and Serbian. And from the beginning, it's, it's just been very much a mixed group of people working on the project. I mean, for example, like Nate, is like he's an American. He's been involved from the beginning with Kosovo 2.0. Then the designers are actually uh, Dutch. It's a Dutch company. And there's, of course, a lot of people from Kosovo uh, that are part of the project. But also with the website, when we started, uh, we uh, when we launched the website, we had a group of around... Uh, 50 bloggers and they were really from all over the place because we ended up just contacting people that all of us individually have uh, like met through like whether it's like school or just like various like professional or just, like yeah. personal like things and stuff like that and we're just inviting them to write about uh, for Kosovo 2.0 and that's so what we try to do is even though it's um, it's Kosovo 2.0 we're still trying to create a like a platform where like you have gen- younger like young generations from everywhere commenting and just like talking about issues that that they have in common, but just about the different ways that they see those issues and the different ways that they act upon those issues. So in a way, just to help expand everybody's like understanding of like what's going what's going yeah. on. Is there a group? I asked you this yesterday a little bit, Nate, and I don't remember the answer, or I kind of remember it, but this is for the people now. Um, when I'm in Afghanistan, I've noticed there is this group of influential, often non-Afghans even, but some Afghans, who communicate mostly in English in the the social networks, especially Twitter, but also on their own sites, and they end up working for newspapers. And these are like the the external judge, not judges, but people who give their opinion and who evaluate everything that happens related to this place, which happens to be a conflict. Here we are in a place that was a conflict zone and now is a post-conflict zone, right? Um, Is there also this network of bloggers, maybe journalists, um, people who are like the opinion makers, you know, whether they be for for Americans or for the outside world. I mean, are are there bloggers in in Kosovo that write in English that they're quoted in the press or... No, I mean, the only one I can think of is um, is Tim Judah of The Economist, who... But there, there's the blog Eastern Approaches, which sort of has his reporting from throughout the Balkans, but those are basically just truncated economist stories that are posted oh. as a blog. I mean, they're very interesting and very good, but as far as there being a community of, of bloggers who are providing intelligent discourse about things, I mean, they're... I mean, I, I would say most of the English-language blogs you find in Kosovo are the people working for the various organizations who just have their, like, personal blogs about, you know, random shit that... Uh, Life, yeah. You know, Mm-hmm. But there's like some woman with the UN. It's like what's the MT cowgirl or something, yeah. you know? Uh, that's probably one of those. But it's a personal blog. Yeah, it's a personal one, and it's it's through. I mean, the very different kind of perspective. I mean, there's this whole kind of community and culture of you know you European Union, UN, and all sorts of other people, and they have their own yeah. own thing and own you know social fabric and how they perceive this place and. But, Hmm. But as far as there being a larger and sort of intelligent group of people, or not even intelligent, but sort of... Talkers. Talkers. <laughs> um, not much, I would say. I mean, yeah. yeah. Not bloggers. I think it's still very much... I mean, you have, like, newspaper columnists and stuff like that, and those are the people that are usually, like, asked to comment on various things. And then there's also very... I think what's very mm-hmm. big here is, like, these think tanks, you know? So, like, if you yeah. have... So it's a lot of just, like, the directors of these think tanks who end up being... Uh, those intellectual voices that comment for international audiences, like what's going on in Kosovo. Right. So not yet, like, uh, and I think that's kind of what we're also just trying to address, maybe, you know, like what we're trying to do with Kosovo to win zero to become that, you know, because 
Yeah. We can we can we can provide that in a way. Yeah. Just, I've actually seen when I think if I don't have it mistaken, but some cases where the the blogger who was dedicated to issues related to a country gets you know hired by the think tank and then sort of straddles or maybe goes fully into the the think tank, but stays the sort of social network, social media talking head and also starts working for a think tank. I was just curious about how that works in, in this country. Uh, I mean, I think what's sort of our strength and unique about us is that we're not devoted to one particular kind of, um, you know, message or style, that we're not writing exclusively political blogs, we're not writing exclusively intelligent blogs, like, you know, one one day you might find someone, ter- you know, interpreting the very, you know, foreign policy in the north of Kosovo, blah, blah, blah. Next day you have someone talking about the various irrelevant hap- happenings in their daily life and um, yeah. you know, we get we get everything and you know it's kind of it's nice to have to have that yeah there's a definitely an aspect that I've noticed of um, differences of style uh, within one a magazine here and that includes topics and yeah style of writing I've noticed on your website at least for a few articles you get quite a number of comments which I found kind of interesting because uh, with some exceptions, but there is a sort of decline on the internet of people leaving comments. Seems like here, or at least with your magazine, you seem to get a nice community of people who always want to say something. Um, and I, it, that's um, that's actually very key to what we do and what we wanted to do from the beginning because we really wanted, at least, especially like people here in Kosovo, to just start discussing issues, and that's why we also have. Like, we have a group of regular bloggers, and they're all very different from one another, even in terms of political views, which which I think is great, because it gives that diversity. And then in terms of commenting, like, if you look at other news portals, like in in Kosovo, there's a... You don't get that much of a discussion going on. It's a lot of just attacks, and people just kind of swearing at each other. And... um, Most newspapers. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. But uh, then you don't get... We don't get that that much here, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's usually, like, people when... They're commenting. They're really discussing, and they really get into the issue, and it's it's great. And it's like, yeah, yeah it makes it very much. Here, here's a topic I know, like my people would be very interested to hear about, and I'm is also very close to my heart. It's um, LGBT uh, gay community, and also the the, the way um, it's seen in this culture. I think a lot of people have an idea that in this part of the world it is still a topic that um, people are not very open to. Uh, but what I've noticed in conversations is that, in fact, there's this hostility towards uh, anything that is gay. Yesterday we were passing what was at one Pure time a gay bar, right? Yeah. Which is now closed Very or no sure. longer. I, I'm pretty sure it's closed. Like it, I mean, it's still open, but it's no longer as a yeah. gay club. Right? So uh, in this country, I mean, what? If you're gay, you have to stay under the radar because it's dangerous or... Where where are things? I mean, kind of like going back to okay, there was a, that a bar that got open, but I don't I don't think that was kind of the right approach because you cannot just I mean there needs to be more work done in just yeah, the bar will not save information, us. You yeah. know, so it's like you can't just immediately go to a like and just open a bar and expect it. You know, like you know when mm-hmm. you live when there's a, when there's a society the way it is here, like in the entire region, of course there's going to be hostility. So you you have to know that your approach has to be different. You have to you have to start providing information. Yeah. And there's no information, there's no discussion. And I think what's missing, and that's what 
you know, and especially in, a, for example, in Albania, they have a great, there's a great NGO that does great work in terms of the LGBT community. But right now, we're missing an organization like that in Kosovo. And you need activists like that. You need people who just kind of get on the field and work and, you know? Yeah. But so the existing cultural logic regarding, like, homosexuality, where does it come from? Religion? No, it's just very much, I mean, I think all around it's like a very much a patriar- patriarchal society, you know, and like the mentality is just, uh, I mean, they're, I don't know, I mean, I don't, I, I, it's not religion. It's not, not religion. It's not religion. It's, not it's, yeah, but it's also just... The Some extent. tradition that gets... Yeah. I mean, I think you have across, across the Balkans, and I mean, I think, and also the former Soviet Union and Central Asia, I mean, I think... Whatever. Yeah, I mean, you notice it when there's pride or attempt to have pride celebrations. Um, I can remember from these conversations with Bulgarian friends as well. Uh, a friend of mine actually said, oh yeah, in Bulgaria we have pride. Uh, and there are more police than there are actual people observing it. And I said, what do you mean by pointing that out? She goes, oh, that in Bulgaria we protect the LGBT community when you know on this particular day. Um, and she seemed to be saying, well, there are countries where uh, there's not enough cops, so when Pride March starts, the angry mobs, you just beat them up. Um, and, you know, I, I think a lot of people know that this happens in some parts of the Balkans. I, I didn't, I've written, wasn't so sure. Serbia is like kind of the, the nasty case they had. Is it? They, I like, mean, you know, when they had their Pride period, I guess a year ago, there was, you know, all sorts of right when hooligans had sort of. Yeah. Fought with police, and they actually canceled it this year. But yeah. I mean, what's, what's interesting about here is there's not even that that level of sort of kind of discussion about it. There's not not even to the point where you know people are sort of out there enough for there to be um, you know these kind of assholes to sort of come out and sort of attack that. It sort of yeah. just isn't there. Isn't really a discussion about it. And yeah, what 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 shocks me a little bit a little bit because I've seen enough things in my life, but is that um, the reaction... Like, in the U.S., we have people... I'm pointing to Nate, because you're from the U.S. We have people who don't like homosexuality, but they're not in the go-and-punch-someone-in-the-face business. There are those as well. And here, it feels like there's more of a... Like, men feel threatened. Like, if there's something regarding homosexuality, they don't just not like it, they get angry. Like, they need to break it or something. Um, it depends. We were, I guess we were, we were talking about this last night with a few, uh, few, few gentlemen, and yeah, I, I, I don't know if I would if I would say that's okay. um, that's that's necessarily accurate. That I think if there was say like pride here, it would not it would not have the same reaction as in Belgrade because I um, I think there's the less of that kind of of energy that I mean. Okay. I think people will say there. A lot of people are very uncomfortable with homosexuality, but I don't know necessarily to the point of yeah of violence and stuff like that. Okay, that's good to point out. Just because I had that feeling doesn't mean it's true. Um, in your the the content that you put out, do you tackle a subject like that? I mean, are there to- topics that you simply still can't bring up here because there would just be way too much hatred filling your your website in reaction? You know, like. No, I think we've had actually. We've really like, uh, and that, those are the kind of topics that we do wanna do wanna address. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we've had on the website with, uh, well, on the, I don't know, even with the first issue of the magazine, we're talking about image. But I mean, kind of the way we set it up is like, okay, let's kind of turn. I don't know, look at ourselves first before, you know, before focusing on like what others are saying about us and whether that's important or not. Let's actually 
do what you want. Do like let's do it ourselves. Let's actually be like ourselves worst critic in a way, you know? Yeah. Which I think was very important, especially like this past year with everything that's been going on in uh, related to Kosovo's image because there was a lot of these international reports talking about high-level politicians being involved in human, like, organ trafficking and whatnot. So, um, I, for us, it was just important, like, okay, but, like, let's actually talk about it, you know, like, let's see what it means for us. So, like, down the road with the magazine, we're going to be, I think we are going to be addressing, like, issues, like, issues yeah. that, are, that are being neglected by, whether, like, civil society in general or mainstream media and whatnot. And that's kind of why we're here, what we want to do. Yeah. Yeah, are are there topics outside of a, a good uh, progressive, uh, open minded magazine? Uh, are there topics that are not to be discussed in the average household in this country? Um, I mean, even even like, do people openly discuss the what was it organ trafficking? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. Okay. I think everything is discussed. I mean, everything is discussed. What was problem? What was I don't know. What was problematic? It's been I don't know with the. When it comes to like high-level corruption cases, and in terms of like investigating those cases, that's what's problematic because nobody's right. willing to really talk. Because I mean, Kosovo is a place where uh, more than like about sixty percent of the people are hired by, by government. That they work in uh, like so, you know, they become very much, you know, they, they feel threatened in a way that whether they're going to lose their job or whatnot. So it's uh, so I think in those cases, it's been there's been a bit of like this hush hush kind of uh, yeah. Yeah, that's one thing I was curious about, you know, like what, Culture. how open things are in terms of topics and, yeah. But I think it's it's changed, you know, compared to 2000, 2009, I think was very bad, it was, it was a very bad year in that sense. The new government had been, uh, like, elected in 2008 and then 2009, they just really, I think, I mean, I don't know, they kind of had really control over a lot of things that were going on, whether it be, like, in the economy or, yeah. like, they, like, with the media, like, a lot of media, like, financially they depend government ads because the government is like has the highest number of ads you know so 2009 was very like problematic I think but it's, I think it's changing and you hear more and more like of everything being uh, really discussed like the result at the end it's we're still like waiting to see what's going to happen with a lot of like cases for example but I think there's definitely it's there's more discussion yeah uh, Nate you do content here of course at Cosmo 2.0 and you also do other content yeah. for other media outlets um, your thing in regards to being a reporter, not from here but living here, um, what's the what's the inner drive? Is it that Kosovo needs to be heard out there? I mean, there's the inner drive is I just you know want to be here and tell stories. I mean, there's no, I don't I don't see there as being some sort of crusading mission to be the person like you know. Well, the place out. is significant. No, it is, it is significant, but I I don't see myself in an, you know, I'm just one person here doing you know, doing stories and things and um, you know I, I but I wouldn't say that there's some I don't know specific fire. I just you know it's a place I really like being. Um, yeah. You know, I have a lot of good friends here and enjoy being here, and there are interesting stories, but you know. Yeah. And and in this time and in doing what you do, you you seem to wind up from your stories, um, seeing and, and doing well doing seeing things that most people would never get to. Uh, it seems like over time, you through good friends here, uh, uh, you you run into <coughs> issues that the average visitor would would never. I guess yeah, yeah. Uh, Interesting things happen. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you, you told some great stories over dinner yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you're allowed to tell certain them. things that. <laughs> <laughs> Certain things that the wider world doesn't need to uh, 
No, all right, fair enough. There's no, no, there was it, one that involved his life being at risk. That, was, that wasn't even in Kosovo, though. I mean, that's but uh, oh, right. in Serbia. Yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, um, let's go over some some basics. We should have done it in the beginning, but well, we do it in the end, um, just so that people understand. We're in Kosovo. It's 2011, and this is an independent country. It has been for over a year at this point, right? Three. Wow. Three See how far I am behind. It's been three years. Um, like it's, it's well recognized by it's like seventy-eight countries right. now. Or is it, it? I think it's like one in one or two yeah. there's been some recognitions like these past few months yeah. oh yeah okay yeah. and, and the, the thing is like you would expect especially for someone not me but others who really don't pay attention uh, but you know understand that the, there's this place and things have happened here um, why don't certain countries recognize Kosovo well the, like the, the major problem that we have right now is with Serbia and uh Bosnia and Herzegovina and the region that don't recognize us and then there's uh, from 20, uh, 27 EU member states five don't recognize don't recognize Kosovo and uh, yeah I mean and then for like I think it's a different reason for every country uh, individually they yeah. all have their different reasons for not uh, recognizing but Serbia has been very successful also in lobbying against uh, yeah. Kosovo in that sense I and mean, I think Kosovo hasn't been as aggressive in lobbying for its own so uh I mean, yeah, but uh, it's very, it's a, it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem because Kosovo is all the time is lagging behind, you know, yeah. in terms of like reforms that the rest of the countries in the region are uh, like have started, you know, in terms of EU integration and all of that. And all that. I mean, we're, yeah, no, but it's, it's a problem because those reforms, even no matter the fact if you like, if it's beneficial or not to be, I'm not discussing it's like, good for the if it's good, function. It's good for the country, you know, because, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're, very, they're very important. I mean, just like one one thing that I keep stressing every time I talk to somebody, and I think I'm really going to continue doing this because it's it's very important, but it's that we're the only country in Europe right now that still needs visas to travel. Like, all of the other countries in the region, they now can travel without, like, visas to the Schengen zone. Yeah. And Kosovo is the only country that still needs visas. And this is a two-point million country. It's like a very, very small country. Yeah. And then it's... We talk about the fact that there's a lot of young kids, like the yeah. young generation, like the yeah. very, very young people living here. So at the end, like, how do you expect them to kind of uh, yeah. develop and, like, change and, like, right. have this, like, more open-minded, I don't know, just, like, yeah. even opinions if they cannot even travel and see what's going on in... Yeah, you know, so and that's a major. I mean, that is a major emphasis, not just within the European Union, but in the entire yeah. you know European uh, continent. The exchange of students going one place to another. You have a section on the website. I, I don't know if I'm heading down a road that goes nowhere, but it, it says Erasmus. What's the connection between Erasmus program and? Uh, do you not know this? No, no, There's no, a button have, on the website. No, no, we have a, it's a study abroad. Study section, abroad. That's just, what I mean. Yeah, it's basically we just have information on. Uh, like various scholarships available for uh, like BA or master's programs and there's like seminars going on and stuff like that. So we basically, we gather, like we follow uh, different organizations like the TAD, like provide different links to what's going on and then we just put it all in one place and okay. have it available. So for, it's just uh, one additional thing that you do. I yeah. mean, and it's all connected to the youth thing. I can mm-hmm. understand that. Yeah. Are, are these scholarships that people try to get um, as often internal as for outside of the country or is... Mostly for outside of the okay. outside of the country. Yeah, yeah. And this is what this is because there are programs where you in, within Kosovo you still can't really get a de- that degree. Or. No, you you can, but I mean, there's a lot of a lot of young a lot of 
people from Kosovo they do end up studying abroad you know like in the past in the past years there's been a lot of them that have studied abroad and they all that's one thing that's peculiar about Kosovo is that the majority of them do actually come back and they come back because they want to you know they want to live here and they do want to uh, work here so when like one of the reason for us like we just kind of wanted that information to be available for everybody because sometimes information like that ends up just circulating in specific groups of people so yeah. we just for us it was important for like everybody to know that okay there's like all these different things going on and like everybody has the right to like apply for them and like everybody should know that they're going on yeah. so just yeah putting it I out there but anecdotally I, it seems like from people I talk to it's significantly harder to get scholarships and to study abroad than it used to be that um, like people people yeah like it, you know people like uh, um, in the mid to late 20s it seems like um, had a much easier time getting out of here um, than people mm-hmm. sort of trying to study in the post post independent Kosovo yeah well, well yeah. yeah well that's also big, I mean because yeah back then, it was easier to apply because it was like a place that was either in conflict or just getting out of conflict so there's like a lot of international attention so right now if you're actually probably like from <coughs> Afghanistan or somewhere you're more then, interesting yeah and exactly even that, and even exactly. that you're on the decline yeah. I mean just like even like back when I was applying for like, like you know like scholarships and stuff it was pretty easy yeah. not pretty it wasn't pretty easy but it was just easier maybe you know because there was a lot of money available yeah there was a lot of uh that's what they do, you know, like uh, like big powers in the world, you know, like they when there's post immediate like post conflict, that's where they actually come in, and you know that's when they pour in a lot of money because they see that that's the moment like that they can change how people think, and you know, and it's right. And it seems like the scary time, and we're kind of in it. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen this again in Afghanistan. Uh, need to stop mentioning that. But the scary time is when the world loses interest. You know, the the you know what I'm saying when I say that because that's when things get you know missed and issues that matter that would have been taken care of, perhaps addressed, helped, uh, get ignored and sort of fall by the wayside. So that's I think that's one of the probably concerns in this country is that. Um, you know, it used to be the interest of much of the world, and now it's it's the past. And typically, the way people mm-hmm. talk in the world, especially in the in the West, will say like, "Well, isn't that fixed already? You know, isn't how many years? You know, isn't it all good?" And this is often the logic. Um, I mean, yeah. It's a country, I think, in an extremely awkward, um, <laughs> like sort of state. I mean, talk about recognitions that you, on the one hand, have recognitions from some of the, you know the most powerful countries in the world, U.S., most of the EU, Japan, et cetera, et cetera, but still it's not not enough to be, to sort of be a completely legitimate sort of country that has a seat on the U.N. And, and things like that. Right. And in the same space as sort of being a post-conflict place or whatever, you know, you call it, I mean, it's sort of weird to think of it that way because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel, feel like right. that there. I mean, even in the north of the country that's, always, you know, supposedly yeah. really fucked up, it's... You know, it feels relatively normalish, but that once you're out of that sort of zone of um, you know when things are really bad, it's like everybody sort of you know turns away, and uh, you know in the time at which it, stuff actually matters, uh, nothing gets done, and then you have uh, the present government in power, which is doing all sorts of fun things to. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of mentioned that at the end because it seems elementary, but there's probably a lot of people listening who think like. Is it dangerous? Must be dangerous. Is it dangerous? So you just make that clear. You even said like you feel quite safer here than in most other uh, uh, cities. I think you mentioned. Yeah, that. yeah. yeah. I mean, probably I mean, crossing crossing the streets can be a little dicey, but you know. I still actually I think I, 
I mean, it's only 24 hours that I'm here, so I'm completely unqualified. But I'd rather cross the street here than in Skopje, where it's just cars everywhere and, and four to eight lanes to cross. You know, to, you know. But there are signs, and anyway, um, guys, I think I want to let you go so that you can do work that you do, even though it's the second day of the holiday. But I wanted, and I'm glad that you you could take the time so that we could do this interview and cover both the things you're doing as like a new media project in this country, and also like these basic questions that people out there, uh, as often as you may get them uh, when people visit, they, they often don't hear. Uh, so we need to kind of go over them as well. Uh, thanks a lot. And I'll put a link to Kosovo 2.0. Uh, but regardless, if you don't go to my website and click the link, you can also just Google Kosovo 2.0 and you'll, you'll end up at the site and you can read whatever your interest is from politics to art and uh, food. You also get recipes. Yes, I noticed the, the video. And there's video... And texts and perhaps audio if you look hard enough. Music. All right. Thank you so much. It's Bye. It's a life that we choose. Climb aboard, Janie. We gotta get rolling. The sheriff's outside and this time he ain't fooling. Hold on to the baby. In a little while, maybe we'll be camped by the ocean with friends of our own. You've been listening to CitizenReporter.org. Some final notes. I'm returning to Kosovo. We've just heard an interview from Kosovo, and I have the good fortune of being invited back. So in a few days, I'm returning there, so expect more content from that fascinating place. Also, to everyone that flattered me, as today is Pay a Blogger Day, and I am a blogger that you can pay, thanks so much for having done so. Thanks so much for listening. Check out more of my work on CitizenReporter.org. And I'll speak to you very soon. See ya. In a little while, maybe we'll be camped by the ocean with friends of our own. Now in my mirror, your red lights are flashing. Pull over, get down in a voice hard as stone. The questions, the searches, the cold, ugly laughter, the fines that we'll take. All the money we own So climb aboard, Janie We gotta get rolling Sheriff's outside This time he ain't fooling Hold on to the babies In a little while maybe We'll be camped by the ocean With friends of our own Down on the beaches White surf is pounding behind us The redwoods play catch with the stars Circled together Our friends of the highway In campers and vans Old buses and cars Around the big fire There's good food and music Till the warm evening fades Like a slow fiddle tune in silence we linger, bad times forgotten, our babies asleep neath the great silver moon. So climb aboard, Janie, we gotta get rolling. Sheriff's outside, and this time he ain't fooling. Hold on to the babies, in a little while maybe we'll be camped by the ocean with friends of our own. We'll be camped by the ocean with friends of our own.